Hello, Money on the Left listeners. This is Scott Ferguson. I am pleased to record a short message to announce the publication of the Money on the Left Journal's second peer-reviewed essay. The title of our journal, if you aren't already aware, is Money on the Left, History, Theory, Practice. The journal is a peer-reviewed, open-access journal of scholarship in the humanities, arts, and social sciences. The journal places money's public origins and capacities at the center of left inquiry and action. It cultivates interdisciplinary approaches to past and present, aesthetics, and politics. And it advances intersectional forms of research and practice in service of a just transition from social and ecological devastation. Last year, we published our first peer-reviewed article by Benjamin C. Wilson, Taylor Reed, and Max Sussman, the title of which was Food, Money, and Democracy, Cultivating Collective Provisioning for Resilient and Equitable Communities of Work. Our second essay that we are just publishing now was written by Maximilian Seho. Max, of course, is a founding member of the Money on the Left Editorial Collective. He has since moved on to pursue other projects. But with this essay, Max makes an important contribution to the journal that he helped found. The title of the essay is Money's Place, colon, Science Fiction, Realism, and Modern Monetary Theory in Kim Stanley Robinson's The Ministry for the Future. This essay is important for a number of reasons. One major reason is that no critical scholar of literature or anything else has paid close attention to the ways in which money specifically is being mobilized in Kim Stanley Robinson's novel, The Ministry for the Future. Plenty of scholars and critics have raised all kinds of questions about the social and aesthetic significance of the novel. A few commentators will passingly note that the novel is interested in rethinking money, that it explicitly references modern monetary theory. But to date, no commentator, no scholar, has taken up the central question of how the novel's invocation of modern monetary theory shapes, informs, and reinforms the literary tradition or traditions in which KSR is working. A second reason why this article is so significant is because it raises questions not merely about plot and theme insofar as KSR puts the language of MMT in the mouths of his characters, but also about literary form and style. Literary form and style as social, as historical, as changing, and as deeply meaningful in terms of how we imagine the future, imagine collectivity, and imagine ecology. And as Max's essay reminds us, literary form and style take place across registers. They're not just a matter of the micro scale of individual sentences, the way that an author can turn a phrase, the the metaphors, the similes, the metonymies uh, to which they appeal. Form includes genre. Genre constitutes something like a whole structure or a whole system of formal relationships and formal commitments that are not just aesthetic, they're not just about art, but they also include relationships 
uh, to and within society. There are social values, social questions, political, <laughs> ecological questions that genres raise at their macro level structure. Building on the work of previous scholars, including friend of the show Anna Kornblow, Max in this essay is thinking about how two genres in particular are being uh, reinvoked and remobilized and even synthesized in a new way, and how money and MMT's approach to public money plays not just an incidental role, but a formative, constitutive role in shaping what is essentially an evolutionary story of genre formation. The book blends realism as a genre and science fiction, sci-fi as a genre. Max points out that each of these genres have abiding traditions and abiding commitments, including particular relationships to money. Realism historically has privileged and thematized money, money in all of its ambivalences, contradictions, tensions, problems, including the way that money affects individual psyches, the way it affects family formations, the way that it organizes uh, or disorganizes a city, a country, or the globe. Unfortunately, as Max points out, the realist tradition is essentially bourgeois and liberal, even when it's being affirmed or critically affirmed by scholars in the Marxist tradition, such as Georg Lukács, that all understand money as a private, finite relationship of alienation um, and essentially puts the public and governance in a secondary uh, and passive role. By contrast, science fiction is defined by a historical impulse to speculate and to put readers or viewers in alternative worlds in order to imagine um, a different way of being a different kind of organization of society, a different mobilization of science, and sometimes ecology. As the critical theorist and literary scholar Frederick Jameson has pointed out, this infuses science fiction with the spirit of utopia. Here, Jameson is referring specifically to Sir Thomas More's book, Utopia, in which a community breaks off from the rest of the world to form what Jameson calls a utopian enclave that's literally protected by a physical barrier of water that the utopians dig as a trench around their newly created island. And notoriously on this utopian island, the utopians, the people who inhabit utopia, repudiate money. They famously uh, melt down their precious metals previously used for money um, in order to use them uh, for the basest uh, practices and elements in society, like they make toilets out of their silver and their gold. Jameson notes that, well, Utopia is not a sci-fi novel. Many science fiction genre contributions over the course of the late 19th and uh, 20th and 21st centuries similarly engage in this utopian logic of the enclave or the trench, which eschews money and sort of tries to imagine worlds that are no longer mediated by money. 
once again, we have a genre that is still bourgeois in the sense that it's taking up a form of money that is private, finite, and inherently alienating. And so suffers similarly from the blind spots that we see in realism. So what Max sees in the Ministry for the Future is a novel conversation and synthesis of realist tendencies and sci-fi tendencies that not only draws on the capacities of these genres to think in different ways, thinking critical ways about society, imaginative ways about other ways of doing things, but also puts pressure on how each of these genres approach money. And it is precisely substituting modern monetary theory and an understanding of public money in place of bourgeois and Marxist political economy that sees money as a private, finite, alienating exchange relationship that allows this particular generic alchemy to take place. So in ministry, KSR gives us thick, rich descriptions filled with contradictions and tensions of the immediate near future that feels very realist in its sensibilities. At the same time, KSR is offering us a imaginative, speculative alternative on the model of science fiction. But what the novel avoids is just as important. Because it's so driven by realist impulses, it refuses the enclave or the trench that Jameson associates with sci-fi with its attendant repudiation of money. But while it turns in this realist fashion toward the everyday world of money that is mediated by money socially and environmentally, it also avoids realism's reduction of money to private, finite exchange with all of its supposed tendencies toward crisis, its ambivalences, its contradictions. This is not to say that the public money view, the MMT view, KSR's view, the, the novel, or Max think that money is somehow without tensions or without problems. It's to say that those problems don't stem from it being supposedly an inherently private, finite, and alienating exchange relation. Max puts it this way in his abstract. In this essay, I argue that ministry's centering of money challenges and displaces the generic conventions of science fiction and realism, each of which has historically related to money in opposing ways. Whereas science fiction prioritizes escape to an enclave outside of money's mediation of social relations, and realism laments the imminent dynamics of money's mediating force, ministry estranges both genres from their relationship to money by redefining money as an inextricable expression of social relation and interdependence. As opposed to dominant Marxist modes, Robinson's redefinition draws attention to money's radical place within the speculative imagination, disclosing new political, economic, and ecological capacity to remake global reproduction. So you see, for Max, the reason why KSR's The Ministry for the Future is so interesting and so promising is not just the fact that MMT is included in the novel as mere content or as dialogue or as uh, thematic elements, but MMT and its whole different way of framing questions of political economy 
enables the Ministry for the Future to enact a formal experiment at the level of genre construction. These genres, in other words, have come into being because of a particular understanding of money that they harbor within themselves. Thus, the Ministry for the Future's transformation, mutual transformation of these genres in relationship to one another speaks directly to how our literary and social imaginations imagine money itself. I cannot recommend this essay highly enough. I strongly encourage you all to check it out. You can go to our uh, website, moneyontheleft.org. There will be a link in the show notes as well. I want to send a shout out to the whole growing editorial team at the journal. Thank you for your ongoing work. The anonymous peer reviewers, thank you to you for your um, unfortunately unpaid labors. Uh, if you are an author or a writer, a researcher who would like to contribute to the journal, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. You can find our contact information on our website uh, and in any number of places. And finally, I want to thank Maximilian Seho for contributing his wonderful essay to our journal and pushing our project forward. <laughs>